Welcome to the Write It Down podcast with the 1513 Network. I'm Brooke Murata, bringing you one-on-one interviews to challenge, inspire, and encourage. On the mic is WWE champion and pro wrestler Drew McIntyre. The talented and humble Scotsman shares with us his journey to the top of the largest professional wrestling organization in the world. Sit back, relax, and get your pens ready because this is Write It Down. Uh, Welcome back to Write It Down. Today, we welcome WWE champion Drew McIntyre. Drew, welcome to Write It Down. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's super exciting. So take me back to April 5th, 2020. You're standing in the ring with a WWE championship belt over your head, defeating Brock Lesnar. What's going through your head at this time? Um, My goodness, I finally did it. Uh, I finally became WWE champion after dreaming about it. I am in Scotland, making it to America as the first ever Scotsman signed to WWE, working for nine years, getting fired, having to start from the bottom and work my way back to WWE, and then get to the top of the mountain at WrestleMania and win the title in a worldwide pandemic mm-hmm. with nobody actually in the in the building. Um, but being fully aware that uh, we were giving everybody in the world an escape during one of the most difficult times in our history, so feeling very proud at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, you mentioned this dream starting when you're young in Scotland. So what sparked this dream to become a pro wrestler? I honestly don't remember the specific moment. Um, It's always what I wanted to do. My brother and I would go around to my older cousin's house we'd hide behind the sofa and watch the wrestling almost like it was forbidden like as young as I can remember and I was always captivated by the larger than life superstars and uh, all the theatrics going on in the screen and I always said I'm going to be a wrestler but of course you're very young and a lot of your friends also say I'm going to be a wrestler too <laughs> I'm going to be an astronaut as well yeah and then as you get a little a little bit older uh, you know things change and people change their career paths till inevitably they're focused on, on more realistic goals but mine never wavered from that very first moment I saw it and I said I'm going to do it I don't know how I'm going to do it yeah. being from such a small country like <laughs> Scotland of five million people but I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to do it because it's my biggest dream yeah absolutely and then you come over to the states you're in your early 20s you make your debut with the company you're labeled early on as the future world champion but as you mentioned you were fired um, so kind of revisit that time for me that that maybe personal transition that occurred during that time Oh, uh, well, that's when uh, you know I had a lot, a lot of work to do mm-hmm. uh, during that period where I was fired. Um, not just as a wrestler, um, but but as a man. You know, I basically came from um, Scotland, uh, university, living with my parents. So I was being told what to do by my parents, told what to do uh, by my college, where to be, uh, straight to America. Uh, straight to the similar situation, they were told what to do, where to be. I'd never get offended for myself. Mm. And just trying to figure out the real world and living by myself and these strange things called bills. And my laundry <laughs> wasn't magically doing itself. And, yeah. you know, it was a very interesting time, like trying to grow up while also trying to chase my dream job at the same time. And, um, you know, I went through a lot of personal tragedy during that time, lost mm. focus, lost sight of this was my dream. <clears throat> and when I lost it, I had to kind of look myself in the mirror and understand that this is kind of on you. You weren't giving it your all. You lost perspective. And if you're going to get this thing back, you're going to have to start from scratch and you're going to have to build yourself back to the top and start applying these lessons. Mm. And don't blame anybody else. Give it all you've got. So during that period, 
I hit the ground running. I wrestled wherever I could. If there was 10 people there or 10,000 people there, I did as many interviews as I could to get better at verbalizing myself. I looked myself in the mirror and said, you know, exactly looking the most marketable right now. Start hitting those weights harder. Mm. And the biggest thing of all um, was my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. And, um, you know, she helped me very much grow up um, as a person and become the man uh, that I needed to finally become. So those few years, those three years I was gone, I, I really did grow up and become the performer the WWE always imagined me to be when they predicted uh, I'd be a future world champion or Vincent Mann himself predicted on television I'd be a future world champion but most importantly to me I became the man I was always destined to be when I returned to the company yeah absolutely and and you mentioned it was three years or so so were the, was there like a side job that you were working was what was your daily life during during that time wrestling 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 mm-hmm. um, thank, thankfully um, I knew a lot of people in the industry that believed in me mm. and gave me a platform. Yeah. Of course, it was my job to to succeed on the platforms I was given. Yeah. And there was a, a fight, like a boom going on outside the company. There wasn't really much going on aside WWE for years. Yeah. And on the independent level, on the much smaller level all across the world, it was starting to build, especially in the UK, where I'm from. And it was getting to the point where it just needed somebody, like a face to represent UK wrestling and just timing wise, everything happens for a reason. I came in and I was given that opportunity to kind of lead the charge. And we took that scene from the biggest show being 1,000 people at the time to 2,000 people the following year to 4,000 people the following year to over 7,000 people. And I did that with my friends. It wasn't just me. I was just very grateful. I was given the platform to kind of lead the charge and finally grow into that leader. And I was hopefully always destined to be. Absolutely. I mean, what are the determining factors of getting fired within the WWE? It's not like you're not showing up to work on time, like at Home Depot. Like, that's not why you get fired. There's there's a lot to it. Um, is it like the audience, the fanfare, like what they believe, if you're marketable? Like, what are some of the factors that go into that? Um, I mean, for myself personally, like I mentioned, <clears throat> you know, I really did lose lose perspective and had a lot of personal issues uh, going on like my mother got sick mm. um, during uh, um, my first run with the company when I was around 24 and you know she was fighting cancer the whole time and that kind of rocked my world I didn't realize how much until uh, years later to be honest and when I lost her um, I was still with the company they told me I can have time off I didn't take the time off and I became very much self-destructive and mm. you know I wouldn't talk about it much at work but I was going out and I was drinking all the time and I just wasn't helping myself and looking back you know I certainly wouldn't have been given myself opportunities and perhaps my attitude wasn't quite what it could have been so um, you know they were always doing me a favor because realistically within the system and where I was at the time I wasn't going to achieve any of my potential they knew that I knew that and we both knew I needed time away so it was the greatest thing in the world that happened to me because I was finally able to step outside the bubble evaluate everything that happened understand oh my goodness I can't believe you let yourself get to this point and Mm. kind of understand why with the help of my wife deal with the issues and that I was dealing with mentally perhaps I didn't realize I was dealing with mentally Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think when when people have a big dream and a goal set in their life and then they hit that rock bottom point, you looking back, you always can see that was necessary. You hear it in every speech 
um, of people like in the Hall of Fame or anything like that. They they have those defining years that really shape them to be who they are outside of their their career. And I think a lot of times when you lose your career or you lose um, maybe your platform, you're face to face with who you are as like you said, as a man, as a woman and kind of hitting that role versus identity because we can play a role every single day in our day-to-day life but our actual identity is who we are when that job or career is kind of taken from us so you were you had to greet that early on but now on the flip side you're the champion so I can imagine you're just like overwhelmed with gratitude even for every part of your story which I think people need to remember in their own story Describe to me your relationship with Vince. How has that evolved over the years? Is it fatherly? Is it business? What is that like? It's both. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's very much a mentor for all of us. Mm-hmm. That's the difference is when I was a kid, I was so intimidated by him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just this larger than life personality, someone I, I grew up watching and knowing he runs the place I dream of working for one day. When I got there, I was so intimidated to talk to him, even when I was in front of him. I could barely, you know, get the get the words out. If I could get the words out, especially back then, my accent was so thick. They probably didn't understand a word I was saying half the time. So <laughs> that's the, the big difference is I went away. And like I say, I grew up and finally, like if anything, I, I was a boy during my first run and I returned a man. And, you know, I think he saw that and I was very much had a business mind on now. So as much as I... You know, have all the respect in the world for him. I didn't recognize, okay, he's my boss and he's someone who can really teach me. Now it's time to learn. Yeah. And we started building that relationship as partners, almost like, okay, this week, like I understand now we have to work together. I can't be so intimidated yeah. by Vince anymore. <laughs> we have built that relationship and I learn from him all the time. That's totally so quite like him. Like, okay, Drew, don't be scared. Like, you got to get this moving. That's funny. So what is the process of developing your character persona? Like in a movie, there's there's a, a casting team that writes a character and then maybe have Leonardo DiCaprio or Tom Cruise audition for it. But I imagine in the WWE, it's different. You're kind of, you have to develop your own character persona. So what does that look like? Uh, it's changed kind of over the years. Uh, like once upon a time, for those that used to watch you know, wrestling WWE back in the day, it seemed like every wrestler had a side job, like you had a trash man and you had, uh, I can think of half the characters. We had a very famous Undertaker, of course. Um, But as the the years went by, you know, we got a bit more uh, realistic with the characters, a bit more relatable uh, with the characters. And even when I first came over, um, you know, there's a few ideas thrown at me uh, for characters that thankfully never happened. I've <laughs> talked about this too much um, in public mediums. By one point, I was going to be, when I was like 23, the runway man. I was going to have a big runway. I was going to be a male model. And it sounded just terrible to me. And I remember being in a meeting with and a meeting with Vince, like I say, I was just happy to be there and so intimidated. And he was asked, what do you think of this? I was like, oh, I think it's great. In my head. I was like, oh my goodness, I would never be able to pull this off. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> but now I, would, I would, now I would absolutely voice my opinion like if I felt that way because you got to believe in it. And that's the difference now is creating a successful character. Uh, the best thing to do is an extension of your real personality. And that's what's finally worked for me. It's what's led to me to uh, win the WWE Championship and be so comfortable in every situation. That's yeah. what you see on television. Mm-hmm. It's so close to the real Drew. Like my real name is Drew Galloway. Drew McIntyre and Drew Galloway were much the same except the volume is turned way up like I go out there I'm a bit silly on the microphone I'm a bit sort 
sarcastic, a bit dry sense of humour, British sense of humour. Sometimes it's just not funny at all. Sometimes I fall flat in my face on the mic, but the fans know when that bell rings, I kick butt. And the most successful characters are literally just yourself with the volume turned up. Because when you're believing it, you're feeling it, the crowd are feeling it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what was that first moment kind of being on the mic in the WWE like? Were you panicking, like, in in your head? Yes. <laughs> I, I'm really, I, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, there was like 20,000 people there. I'd arrived in America like three weeks prior, and I was very fast onto television, so it was <laughs> very terrifying. <laughs> and um, I was trying to remember everything word for word. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're giving suggestions of, you know, this is perhaps what you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and these days, I'll take that as a guide and I'll go out there and I'll say how I feel and follow the guide and follow bullet points not like a script from a movie mm-hmm. but back then I was trying to literally learn it a script from a movie you can see it in my eyes I'm trying to remember each <laughs> line the sweat's coming down my face and it's weird I don't know if I went through a second puberty like my voice is even like lower high pitched and I don't know why I, I don't know why I talked that way it's like man did I go through a second puberty because I talk totally different now but yeah. I think it's more because I'm so comfortable because I'm so relaxed Yeah, and it's not forced anymore the- the mic can be a little scary. I, I know, like, whenever I did my first podcast, when I listen back to it, I'm like, who am I? That is not Brooke. Like that, I just made something up. Like, yeah. my voice didn't sound right. I mean, I can imagine being in front of 20,000 people your first time. You're just like, man. We're going to take a quick break to discuss Write It Down's brand new website. You can head over to widpod.com, W-I-D-P-O-D.com, and see all the goods. You'll notice a banner at the top of the page that says learn more. If you click that link, it'll show you how you can support Write It Down. P.S. My favorite part about the website is the Wid Wall, which is a collection of all the Write It Downs from the show. This podcast is made possible by the 1513 Network. So show the network some love and support by listening to their other shows. If not, just stick with Write It Down because I'm the coolest, the realest, the illest. Now, back to the show. Would you describe yourself more as an athlete or a performer or entertainer? Because you got to play both. Yeah, I'd absolutely say both. Yeah. And that's uh, the fun thing about uh, professional wrestling, sports entertainment. It's the best of sports mm-hmm. and entertainment. So we go out there, you know, we don't have a second take. We do our matches live. We do our own stunts. We put on matches that are supposed to make people... You know, if they know what they're watching, they're going to forget during a Drew McIntyre match because you're going to hear every strike. Hopefully the story I tell through my actions is going to get you invested. But at the same time, there might be some fun, crazy, over-the-top storyline going on mm-hmm. where I get to have fun as a performer. Yeah. So I enjoy it. But like when I was younger, I was very much, I'm a wrestler. It's all about the in-ring stuff and nothing else. And as I got older, it started to relax, started to have more fun. I'm like, oh, man, it's fun to perform as well. So, you know, that's why WWE is so cool because it's the best of sports and entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it grows your confidence in both areas, which I think is amazing. I mean, in the worst case scenario for WWE superstars, I mean, in my opinion, is the audience kind of being apathetic. So, like, what type of pressure does that place on you, whether you're playing um, the role of a baby face or a heel? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> these days there's more shades of gray. There's not so much clear cut good guys and bad guys. Like you say, the worst thing that can happen is indifference <laughs> just eh, yeah. he's good he's bad but i just don't really care one way or another like you've got someone like a john cena yeah. uh, for a lot of his career 
you would have these huge cheers. But at the same time, the, the male part of the audience, the kind of uh, 18 to 34 males, would just boo so loudly, but it created this gigantic reaction. They were so invested in them, be it cheering, be it, be it booing. It was a wow, this guy is a superstar. So for me, it's just as long as people are making noise, as long as they care and invested in what I'm doing when I'm out there, like I don't mind one way or another. I've been a bad guy most of my career. And about eight months ago is when I finally kind of put the last pieces together and truly was just myself yeah. 100%. And it, it was so bizarre to listen to the difference in the crowd. And people would say to me backstage, like, you're supposed to be the bad guy. They're cheering. I was like, I don't know. What, I'm saying horrible things about my opponents. But I'm having fun doing it. <laughs> and then I beat them up and they're cheering me for it. I was like, maybe, maybe they're the bad guys in the crowd. I don't know what to tell you. But it just kept uh, like steamrolling and steamrolling. The crowd started getting behind me so much. And eventually... I won a match, the Royal Rumble, like 30 superstars, whoever wins, gets the world title match at WrestleMania. And I fortunately won that match, challenged Brock Lesnar for the championship. It was holding the title hostage, and that's where the fans really got behind me. So yeah. it was pretty cool to hear those cheers, like whole arenas chanting my name and stuff, which had never happened before because I was generally the bad guy. But yeah. as long as they're making noise, as long as they care, <laughs> exactly. that's all that Exactly. Me. I mean, do you prefer being the bad guy or the good guy? Like all, Like if you had to pick one. I like both so much. I guess bad guys have more fun. Yeah. But I honestly just enjoy being a good guy too because I'm basically the same guy. Like I say, it's not the same as it used to be. Yeah. I'm the good guy now, but I, I still will headbutt a guy and I'll still <laughs> talk so much trash to a guy. <laughs> there really isn't that much of a difference except, you know, I'm maybe not willing to cheat to win. That's literally the only difference between Drew McIntyre, the good guy, Drew McIntyre, the bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. I mean, and outside of the ring, though, would you, because you are a nice guy, that's probably why you want to be the nice guy in the ring and then you have that devil on your shoulder going like mm, let's be bad let's be bad today let's get the crowd <laughs> rumbling but outside of the ring do you have um, any other aspirations in your life or what would you say like if WWE wasn't in the picture in a couple years what's something that you want to leave your mark on the world with uh, I just I don't really know. This is what I always wanted to do and wanted to leave my mark in the world with. There was no plan B, even though I got my um, education right. and my college degree in criminology. Uh, this this was it. It was kind of an all or nothing <laughs> mentality. But my goal now is just uh, have fun doing my dream job. Yeah. Um, I am very much, as shocking as it might be, I'm very much an introvert. And, uh, you know, my wife and I don't tend to go out too much. We're kind of built for a pandemic, to be honest. <laughs> and the goal is eventually get to the point where we're comfortable and we both just kind of disappear. And you never just hear from us again because we're off on our, <laughs> off our, the grid. <laughs> our, our, little ranch, our little ranch somewhere, a little farm somewhere. And where did Drew that. go? That's he, awesome. He, he said he was going to disappear and he disappeared. His wife and the cats. <laughs> that is amazing. I love that. I mean, who would you say within the organization that would surprise fans is like the nicest guy? Or a girl. Uh, I don't want to kill anybody's characters, so I wouldn't say anything <laughs> nice about Brock Lesnar. He wouldn't, wouldn't appreciate that. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean everybody yeah. these days yeah. um, is is really uh, nice, and uh, that's a big thing. I guess I've noticed the difference when I was younger and I first got here. You know, there was some interesting characters, and you know, I had to 
kind of walking eggshells around a few people and didn't want to upset them and uh, maybe some not some nice people. But that's the biggest difference I've noticed that these days is a whole different generation of superstars and they're all genuinely good people. Yeah. And we're all looking out for each other and trying to help each other instead of hinder each other. And mm-hmm. We're just all want the whole roster to be the best possible farmers. Uh, we can be. And that's why like, so the lay of the land is so cool today as well. It's not just the male performers at the top of the card, the female performers are getting all the opportunities in the world. Yeah. And instead of back in the day where you'd be like, oh, I'm after the women's match, I'll bring the crowd down. Now it's like, oh my goodness, I'm after the women's match, they're going to be so good. I better step it up more. Yeah. Uh, so it's really cool, the lay of the land today. That is really cool. And, and it's kind of, I mean, you guys travel a lot as well. I mean, before the pandemic. So what does like the week look like for a pro wrestler? Uh, prior to the pandemic, Yes, prior to the pandemic, <laughs> pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yes, these days are very different. Yeah, um, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, uh, I spent 13 years since I moved to America on the road uh, working nonstop, basically four days a week, 52 weeks a year. You know, our television shows are 52 weeks a year, no reruns, no off-seasons, mm-hmm. and we'd have non-televised live events every weekend and two European tours every year, which were two weeks long. And obviously, we traveled to various different countries all across the world. And I miss that. I mean, not the level we're on the road, but, you know, I didn't know any better. And I, I miss traveling the world. I miss seeing our fans in person. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting them back. Yeah, I bet. And what does your um, diet and exercise look at, like as Drew McIntyre? Uh, well, now <laughs> I, I have Pre-COVID. a. <laughs> Yeah, I'll pre you. Uh, yeah, I went to the gym. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> now, now I, I snack with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just did tons of push-ups. Yeah. Now, I have a little uh, gym in my uh, garage these days. But um, yeah, pre-COVID, I would uh, use the, the gym and whatever we traveled, whatever state or whatever country, like, the first thing I'd always do is just hunt out the local gym and I work out with weights, uh, minimum four days a week, sometimes five days a week, stretch basically every day uh-huh. um, these days I can't believe I didn't think of this in the past whoever did as a genius but there's all these meal prep companies now yeah. that um, are able to customize your meals that you can take on the road in a cooler and you can just check the cooler and then once you get off at the other side and get in the, the car or the plane whatever you're going wherever time you're traveling to you can bring your meals with you so not only now can you eat properly while traveling all the time it saves a fortune yeah when you're finishing the show at 11 p.m you're not having to eat mcdonald's or sitting in denny's or whatever 45 minutes waiting on your food you've got your food ready to go you can stick to your diet i cannot believe i didn't think of it yeah it's like it is life-changing and it's so convenient when you think about it it's like lean cuisine on wheels so i love that i've been i've been a part of that before too with certain um crossfit gyms so it's definitely convenient um but before we get to our write it down of the show i want to go through some rapid fire questions with you just some some fun uh questions um before we end the show what is your dream match any wwe superstar past or present undertaker wrestlemania for my title yes make it happen let's let's petition for it what celebrity or pro athlete would you like to be your tag team partner Hmm. Good question. <laughs> uh, I guess 
the strong man who's in the Game of Thrones, the mountain. He's been around the shows a few times, and he is freaking huge. And I believe just recently broke the deadlift record uh, of all time. So not only is he taller than me, he's about 400 pounds and legitimately one of uh, the strongest men in the world. So he'll do nicely. <laughs> that would be nice. I, I, I would like to see that. What is one thing you miss the most about Scotland that America needs? It's like a must-have. Uh, an American needs my family and friends Aww. and their banter. <laughs> but I miss them the most. But um, I mean, I guess this silly sense of humor. Like sometimes uh, there's a disconnect with uh, the British humor and the American humor and I've got a nice balance of it now but sometimes I'll hit out with something and my wife will look at me and say Drew that's just entirely not appropriate <laughs> so uh, yes certain, certain things mean different things uh, they can be taken different ways in, in a different country your, your wife sounds like an amazing lovely woman she seems like she's been well, helping you a lot is. in all areas yes. that's hilarious yes. Um, yes. what is your favorite show to watch or like binge watch uh, we go from show to show to show. Currently, we're watching Lucifer on Netflix. It's the latest one okay. we're binge watching. Is but it pretty we good? Jump from yeah, it's really good. And um, that's the thing with all these Netflix and Hulu shows, or whatever. You start with one episode, oh, check out this, and suddenly uh, you're watching like every single episode, every single season. <laughs> I love this. I feel like I should be in the show by now. That's hilarious. Well, we are getting to the point of our show where we ask each guest to share a nugget of wisdom with our audience, what we call our write it down. So, Drew McIntyre, what is your write it down? Uh, This is something for me um, that made all the difference in the world, and I apply it every day, the first thing in the morning, the last thing at night, um, is always be accountable to the person in the mirror. Mm. So don't don't listen to those outside negativity or anyone try to get in your ear. Appreciate whatever feedback you get, but at the end of the day, it's on you. And as long as you can look in the mirror at the end of the day and know you gave it your all personally, and that's all that really matters. Absolutely. Be accountable for the man in the mirror. Drew McIntyre, thank you for joining Write It Down. It's been a pleasure hosting you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was fun. Thank you for listening to the Write It Down podcast. This podcast is a part of the 1513 Network. You can catch a variety of shows on their website, 1513.com. If you enjoy listening to Write It Down, please subscribe, share with your friends, and if there's any ink left in your pen, write a review. For more content, follow the fun on Instagram by following at W-I-D-P-O-D. That spells WIDPOD. Super cool. Stands for Write It Down Podcast, but it's abbreviated to WIDPOD. Anyways, thanks for listening, and we will catch you later. You don't have-